Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, the gift of your presence in our life. Lord, help us to always remember that you are there with us. When life is good, help us to thank you for what is good and, the celeb- and celebrate with you. When life is ordinary, help us to continue to remember that you are with us. And when life is difficult, help us to trust in you. As you call us in many places of scriptures to do, as to rely on you and remember that you are not taking the mess away necessarily straight away, but you are helping us through that mess. Loving Father, as we explore deeper into Jonah's prayer, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, give us a sense of what it means to be your people relying on you for life now and for life eternal. Amen. Whenever you read scripture, one of the things is in deeply, one of the things you find is that God is often speaking to people who are in mess. Sometimes they have caused the mess themselves. Sometimes the mess has been caused by others. And we see this throughout history as people get themselves or find themselves in mess. Probably the, the thing that struck me, and I think for the world that struck me, and it's been quite a number of years now, but when September 11th happened, there was a huge number of people who were going to churches. Church doors opened on that day and the following days and people flooded in and some people hadn't been there for some time. And it was because we felt like our life had been turned upside down. It was disarray. disarray. And I remember occasionally this has happened after a funeral. A person who had never been to church or hadn't been to church for many years, had come to a funeral of someone they knew, someone they loved or liked, um, someone who was special to them, and then they turned up to church the next Sunday or the Sunday after because they were seeking help. Their life had been turned upside down a little bit and they were seeking help. Question for you, when life gets messy and tough, what do you do? When life gets messy and tough, what do you do? be a real challenge, can it, can't it? Sometimes I blame myself, sometimes I'll blame others around me, sometimes my wife cops some of my anger and my kids. Sometimes it's kind of how can I fix this problem myself? Sometimes I may even be like Jonah and run away from the issues or sometimes I opt up the other as I just fight the issues. But quite often I find myself in prayer. And not just a nice, gentle prayer, not just what I call the meek and mild prayer that we'd like to pray, God, thank you, and all that, but a prayer that can be like King David and some of the psalmists, quite angry at the start. What's going on, God? remember going through a difficult patch in ministry and was driving them down the road, and I was thankful I was in a car in the countryside because I was yelling to God about some stuff. Because when life gets tough and messy, it affects our whole body. It affects everything, you know, it affects our whole body, it can even lead us to places we don't want to go. As I mentioned though, throughout the Bible, a good source is the Bible to go to to see the prayers. People find themselves in dark and difficult situations and they cry out to God. They spend ages crying out to God. Some, their prayers are not answered in a way they would like. For instance, Paul in 2 Corinthians, he talks about having this thorn in the flesh and he's crying out to God right, about it. 
Blind Bartimaeus, you know, he's blind and there's a cry out to God there. Psalm 107, I think, is a good prayer that I've discovered. You know, and, I, and remember, Psalm is a book of prayers. He, it starts off, give thanks to the Lord, but then it talks about the mess that people had been in, the difficulties people had explored, had encountered, and yet they gave thanks to the Lord. Question for you to just to ponder is, when have you cried out for God, to God? And our frustrating thing is sometimes we can cry out to God and expect God to, because we've cried out to him, to answer. It's a bit like going to a vending machine. You know, we cry out to God and we think, God, all right, so I should walk out the front door and everything be fixed. And the sad thing for most of us, it's not straight away, is it? It's often there's still challenges. They're still there. But what is this crying out to God about? Sometimes I wish I was like Jonah in the belly of the whale, you know, encounter all the mess, the, the depths and the dark, and um, then God spits me out onto dry land, you know, a better place. But that doesn't always happen. But why? Why does, throughout the scriptures, is this, this people crying out to God? Why is this this call for prayer? We know God knows our whole situation. We know God knows the number of hairs on our head. We know God knows what's deep in our heart, and that can be quite scary. We know God knows everything about us, so why, do, why should we pray? You know, one old, I had two old gentlemen in a congregation. One old gentleman said to me, oh, God knows what I need. He'll answer it anyway. I don't need to say anything. And another bloke said, oh, no, I spend an hour with God every day in prayer, even though he knows what I need. It's not to make sure he knows what I need, but to make sure I know he's, he knows what I need. Two different ways of praying. But Why? Well, prayer heals us and it cleanses us. God doesn't need our prayers. We need to to pray them to be healed. A friend of mine who's a pastor of another congregation, he has a prayer journal for himself and the congregation. He actually writes down the prayers and over time he reflects on those prayers and the answers God has given him. He's amazed how God has answered. He said at least 60% of the prayers are answered in a way he did not think they would be answered, but they were answered. It's a reminder that God is healing us. And often it's about us discovering more about ourselves in our prayers. So let's have a look at Jonah and his prayer. Well, Jonah tried a solution that some people try when they encounter difficulties or something they don't like. Remember, God was calling Jonah to go to this evil place, this place where there was torture. And I heard a bit more about this place this week, Nineveh, where part of their torture was to rip your lips off. Right? So no wonder Jonah was scared of going to that place. So Jonah has run away from Nineveh and gone, aimed to go to Tarshish and he's ended up in this boat and it's rocked over and he's been thrown into the sea and he's been swallowed up by this whale and so he's in a dark, deep place. Now miraculously he's still alive. So what does he do? He prays. He prays. Have you ever been in a dark, deep place and there's nothing else you can do but pray? a challenge for us to sometimes now some people won't pray but some people that's the point of where they come back and pray to God put their trust in God so let's have a look at what we can learn from Jonah's prayer in my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead I called for help and you listened to my cry for help. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me, and all your waves and breakers swept over me. 
The starting point with prayer is for Jonah and for us, I think that's helpful, is let's be honest about how bad life is or how bad we see life is. Let's be honest about the situation we're facing and even be honest about how we may have participated to getting into that mess. Let's be honest about how difficult and how much we don't like certain things. Let's be honest about how upset we are with God. It's nothing new. It's what happens in the Psalms frequently. But be honest. Jonah is honest about the situation, how bad life is. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't wallow. See, the problem is some people will wallow in their bad situation and they'll become a victim of, for themselves. And their identity is around about how bad life is. And one person who who became a Christian, who said to me, one of the problems they had was to understand and to recognise that they were allowing sin to give them an identity. The sin sin had been affected against them. And they said when they became a Christian, they started to confess their sins, but also started to ask God to help them to deal with the sins that that people had um, affected them with, that people had sinned against them with. And they then stopped being focused on themselves and something else happened. The second point that Jonah does, and this is an interesting point, is when it's difficult to put things into your own words, because at times when you're going through a difficult, dark patch, it can be difficult to express things. You can be unsure what to say. Some people go, I don't want to, I'm not quite sure how to express this. Well, the New Testament encourages us to rely on God's Spirit. Now, sometimes in my own difficult scenario, I've been hurting and I've prayed and I've just said, God, I don't know what to say, but you know where I'm at. Um, give, us, give me some words, but also may your spirit intercede for me. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 reminds us, in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless, wordless groans. So if you ever find yourself in that difficult patch where you feel frustrated, you're not quite sure what to pray, hand it over to God's Spirit. But handing it over to God's Spirit is not just handing it over and just letting that. Allow the words of Scripture to be your words for prayer. One of the things you'll discover if you look at this, this prayer is every verse in Jonah's prayer has been inspired by the Psalms. Every verse has been inspired in some kind of direct quotes from the Psalms. So Jonah was calling on this ancient book by the sounds. And if you want to know where they come from, here's a snapshot. For those who've got a phone, you're welcome to take it out and take a photo. But every verse, if you haven't got a phone and you want me to send it to you, I can send it. Every verse in Jonah's prayer comes from the Psalms. And the Psalms are the, the ancient prayers of the church. If you're not currently or you have engaged with the Psalms, I encourage you to read through them and read through them slowly. You may want to pick up Psalm 107 this week and every day just read through Psalm 107. You know, Jonah has drawn on each of these prayers and yet there's other, other prayers you can pray that come from the Scriptures as well. And there's also ancient prayers from elsewhere that you can pray. But when you do, don't just read them, pray them. Allow them to be your prayer. 
read them in such a slow way and a reflective way that they become what you need to pray. And that could be a way the Holy Spirit helps you to pray. The third thing from Jonah's prayer that's helpful for us is that Jonah doesn't just focus on his current situation. He doesn't do the, woe betwide me, I'm in a mess, it's terrible. He starts to remember God's promises and blessings. He starts to remember God's promises and blessings. From verses 5 to 7 we heard, The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. Andrew, could you imagine seaweed wrapped around your head? Smelly seaweed. <laughs> to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in f- forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you and to your holy temple. Jonah started to remember the blessings and the promises of God. And this has been the call from God for us as Christians forever. If you go through the New Testament, particularly the epistles, there's this constant encouragement that you will encounter suffering, but don't lose sight that this earth is your temporary home. Put your situation into the perspective of God's promises and blessings. Put your situation into the perspective that there is a future to come. Um, A a Christian contemporary songwriter, Paul Coleman, who used to be with a band called PC3 in Australia, um, then went over to America to try and make it big in the Christian scene, joined Newsboys, um, but now as a solo artist again, has written a song, The Best Is Yet To Come, and I reckon it's only Australian could write the way he wrote because it sounds like an Australian beer-drinking song. You know? The best is yet to come. And it's that focus of our life today is going to get far better, no matter how good or how bad your life is. And to put your, put your troubles and problems into that perspective. Now, the author of First Peter, who's writing to a Christian community who are going through sufferings, and they're going through sufferings not like us, where we might get, you know, we, we, we kind of get, oh, you're a Christian, you're not, you're not that good, or you're not making common sense. You have people who make derogatory comments. They're going through sufferings where they were getting personally attacked and had their lives threatened. And this is Paul writing to them. He says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you had suffered a little while while himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. There's a future to come. And for us as Christians, that future is made possible through the cross. You know, Jesus himself went through that suffering so that we can enjoy the gift of eternal life. We can be part of his eternal life forever. A life where love exists and no sin in the future. So when you're going through difficulties, put your life into perspective. And it's always helpful to put your life into perspectives because, yes, you can be, as we say, you'd be honest with the situation, but you also move forward with God's grace and God's love. A bit like one of the Swans footballers last night quoted on his Facebook, Instagram, yep, we had a terrible day, it was no good, we didn't do well, we let people down. 
But tomorrow, the sun will rise, we still have a day, and next year we still have a, we've got a good team to play with. For us as Christians, whenever we're going through difficulties, don't lose sight of the presence of God. And so I just want to encourage you for the next couple of minutes to turn around. We're going to do a quick faith talk. And if you're not quite sure, um, that's okay. But just have a chat to a couple of, one or two people around you. Is What are some of God's promises and blessings that you know of? What are some blessings that you've received? What are some promises you've heard of in the scripture? Just spend two minutes in a, in a small group sort of scenario talking about what are some of God's promises and blessings. If you're not near someone, please move near someone. you some insight and some encouragement. Um, Laris and I just spoke about that the promise of God that he's going to be with us all the time, no matter where we're at. Now, what's going on is a good thing to remember. And I'm going to touch a bit on that. But also, you know, what's helped me a lot when I've gone through difficult patches is to remember Psalm 23. You know, it's no wonder Psalm 23 is read at funerals. No wonder it was the most quoted psalm in 2011 after September 11th. Um, it was just huge in that people, or sorry, after September 11th, it was this quoted regularly because it had this line, um, even when I walk through the darkest valley or the shadow of death, you are with me, your rod and your staff are there and they protect me. And that reminder, you know, often people will choose that for funerals because they are going through difficult times with the loss of a loved one. And then there's the blessings that we have in life, you know, the things that, the good things and the people that are around us and the things that we have. So that encouragement for us to to keep focused on God's blessings and promises and particularly his promises because sometimes we don't actually notice all the blessings so much and the blessings can be for some subjective but the promises of God are what comes from scripture. And the fourth point in looking at Jonah's prayer is this, is be aware that God is with you even when it's messy and dark. I don't know about you, but there's been times when it's been difficult for me um, and I've asked the question, God, where are you? What's going on? Are you there? But listen to Jonah. He says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I'll make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah ultimately was trusting in God to save him. Remember, he's still in the belly of the whale, the fish, and he's trusting in this God to save him and God's presence. Now, our problem is this. Our issue is not that God is not present, even though we may, not, we may at times think he's not present. But at times we struggle, struggle to remember he is with us and we struggle to re- recognise his presence. Because sometimes we actually adopt a very Eastern way of religion, which is... God is with you when things are good. But here, what we hear is God is with us all the time. You know, we have a Jesus who's prepared to suffer for us. You know, and the disciples themselves were struggled with this concept that God is the one who's prepared to suffer for us. We have texts that remind us that God is with us no matter what's going on. You know, the disciples at the end of the time, at the end of Jesus' time on earth, he's saying, I'm about to leave. And you can imagine disciples are not feeling fully prepared. And he's going, I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. And you see in Psalm 23, which I've also mentioned, this promise of God 
to be with us when it's dark and difficult. You see in Hebrews, which is a quote from Joshua, I'm with you forever, I will never forsake you. So no matter whether you've been in a low patch or you're in a good patch, no matter, no matter what time in your life you're in, God is always with you. The problem we have is we don't always expect God to answer our prayers or in a way that's different to how we perceive. We want God to answer them in a way that's comfortable, nice. But look what he did with Jonah. Look what he did with Jonah. When we think about prayer and prayer in difficult times, many people have written that, written on this. There's a whole section. There's, you can buy book after book on God is with us during the suffering and pain of our life. But here's a couple of quotes to ponder on. Prayer is not asking. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God at his disposition and listening to his voice in the depths of our heart. Mother Teresa, remember, deals with people who are struggling. Um, She dealt with people who are struggling, who are poor on the street, and she would often be be in despair of how they've been treated and what their situation is. So she had a good understanding of people going through pain and suffering. And she relied on prayers with God. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia tales, but was also a strong apologist, was a convert to Christianity. He says, when you're struggling to cope with the circumstances of your life, turn to God for comfort. There are many reasons to pray in hard times, but the most important reason to do is that it will help you stay strong in the Lord. It'll keep you focused on that there is a future, there is hope. And Oswald Chambers says, when you are in the dark, listen, and God will give you a very precious message. One of the things that we'll notice next week, and I'll spend a bit more time on this next week, is that this prayer of Jonah's is considered the centre of Jonah. We have what's happened before, and it's the turning point. It starts to lead us into a turning point where Jonah, instead of running away from God's mission for him, actually runs towards God's mission and gets involved with that. It's the turning point where the people of Nineveh turn from their worthless idols and their horrendous actions to actually following and listening God and wanting salvation. Prayer can change life. Not because it forces God, but it changes people who pray. And when your life's in a mess, when my life's in a mess, I pray that you continually are trusting God. And so what does this mean for us in living the faith? First of all, we'll just go back over the points. Be honest with God and yourself about the situation. Be honest how bad things are. Be honest what mess is laid out. Just lay it out. Lay out your feelings. Secondly, use scripture and the prayers of scripture to help you pray. Thirdly, remember God's promises and blessings. Keep in mind all the good things God's going to do. Put this in perspective. One of the things um, I've noticed that I'm different to some people in that 
I work in strategy in, in the church, and so I have this big picture. And often I encounter people who are focused on just the moment, just these 30 seconds today and right now what's happening. And when there's a disaster, they, oh, it's the end of the world. A bit like a couple of Swan supporters yesterday I heard threw their gear away at the game, right? Because they're upset about how bad Swans were going. And all I was thinking, oh, there's next year, like Chad, Chad Water said. But I just would encourage all of us to keep in mind of God's promises. And this is the advantage of reading scripture regularly is you get constantly exposed to God's promises and blessings. Fourthly, never forget that God is with you. Sometimes my prayer is, God, I need help. I need help to notice you. Because I believe this, God is always with us because he constantly says throughout scripture, but sometimes my circumstances of life don't indicate that at all. And so I need to, to have God help me, but never forget that God is with me. And the other question that comes from that, if you think God is with you, always ask in your prayers or encourage you to ask in your prayers, God, what are you doing in this situation? Some years ago, I heard a story of a, a missionary who, who came back from Ethiopia when they were going through um, their famine. And he's talking to a church, the, the, some young adults and the youth at a church, um, and he's sharing how bad things were in Ethiopia. And he focused, he said, in the hindsight, he focused too much on the, the bad stuff that was going on. But he wanted to, people to have a realisation of how bad things were in that situation, in that famine. And so he's sharing this story. And someone put up their hand and said, why wasn't God doing anything? Where was God in that mess? And it hit him. He said, we had people on the ground providing food. That's where God was. We had people caring for people who had lost loved ones. That's where God was. God was responding to that situation through his church and through other people to be able... And when I say the church, that's the people of God to care and help people. We have congregations like we are in now, he said, who are giving to help people in need. Sometimes we can lose sight that God's actually present. But that's because often we want God to respond in a particular way. So let's never forget that God is present. And maybe a prayer that you may want to pray is, God, help me to see what you're doing. Help me to see what you're doing out of this mess. You know, one of my favourite sections of scripture is Genesis chapter 50, where Joseph talks to his brothers, and I've said this a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, Joseph talks to his brothers and his brothers are sitting there and, and they're petrified because Joseph is now in a position of power. They originally sold him as a slave and told his father that he was dead. And his comment was, what you intended for bad, God has used for good. What you intended for bad, God has used for good. And so if you're ever in a difficult, messy situation or ever had experienced something that you're quite unsure why, what's going on, pray to God and ask, how can you use this for good? How can you use this situation for good? And good is about revealing his love and his grace and helping others and saving others. And lastly, here's your challenge for the week. Um, Spend this week in reading and reflecting on the Psalms. And I've picked out three. You can choose others, but Psalm 107 would be a good one. You may want to choose just one Psalm and reflect on it. Psalm 23, the familiar Psalm, or Psalm 3. 
just listening to how people cry out to God, but also what else, else is happening. Just a spoiler alert, often when I do this, um, what I notice is people are angry, people are upset, people are questioning God. But by the end of the psalm, they're starting to recognise the blessings and the goodness of God. They're starting to recognise how God is at work amongst their mess. And so my prayer for each of us is that as we experience difficult times, as we experience encounters, and we will because we live in a world where sin exists, as we go through all those troubles, remember God is with you. Remember God is walking with you and is going to help you through that. Keep relying and trusting on God, but put your mess, put your situation into perspective that there is a better life to come that's been made possible by Jesus. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for you always being present in our life. We thank you for you always listening to our prayers. Lord, we pray that you help us through the messes we encounter, the difficult things we encounter. Loving Father, I pray for each person here today, for each person who are listening to this message, that you have used this message for your glory to help people to know again of your will and your, gra- and your love and your grace. And loving Father, as we step into this world, may we also help others who are going through difficulties know that there is a future to look forward to and there is a God who loves them. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.